Welcome to Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. I'm a professor, OD consultant, and change strategist, helping individuals and organizations experience life to the fullest and engaging in positive transformational change. In addition to this podcast, please check out my latest book, Embracing Resistance to Change, Facilitating Change Differently Through the Paradox of Resistance, available now through Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Hello and welcome to another episode about chatting about change with Dr. Jim Maddox. And today I'm visiting with Keisha Kruger, who is a um, organizational psychologist, uh, the director of org development for a uh, company in North Carolina. And so I'll just let her tell a little bit of her background and we're just going to talk about org development and org psych. So I'm, I'm excited for the conversation. So welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Jim Maddox. I am humbled to be here, very honored. A little bit about myself. I went to East Stroudsburg University of Pennsylvania to pursue my undergrad in clinical and applied psychology. Um, it was on that journey that I stumbled across IO psychology and ended up in a master's program in Queens University of Charlotte for organization development. After I graduated there in 2017, I pursued a few other certifications. I got my Big Five certification, the Workplace Big Five um, Executive Coaching Certificate, and I'm also certified in the Actualized Leader Profile Assessment Tool. Very excited to be here. Yeah, and for people that want to learn more about the, 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 that assessment, need to listen to an earlier podcast with Dr. Will Sparks, who um, is, is um, your mentor. Yeah, very, very dear friend and mentor of mine. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's how I found you was through um, through my contacts with him. And so, yeah, so um, talk about kind of your role. The, I, I think it's fascinating, um, kind of organizationally structured, how your org development piece, how it's housed in your organization. Talk a little bit about that, because we were kind of talking about that before I hit the record. Yeah, so I work for a real estate, it's, it's a niche industry in real estate uh, called Right-of-Way. We're a right-of-way acquisitions firm, ORC is the name of the company, and we're about 330 person firm, so we're not, we're not huge, um, but, you know, the role came about um, through my CFAO, who is the person that I directly report to at the company. And she advocated for, for this role. She knew that there was a difference between HR and OD. She, she likes to say to me, I know enough about OD to be dangerous. And she did because she advocated, got buy-in and the executives um, supported the adoption of bringing this role onto the company. And structurally, how, how OD and HR is housed is we're actually not within each other. We're completely separate. So we have an HR department that you know, supports the recruiting lifecycle, hiring, sourcing, um, even exiting the organization. And then OD stands alone as a single department. And um, my role in the company is the director of organization development. I like to tell our employees how to differentiate between us is that um, my role is to focus on the, the experience while you are at the company in terms of development and growth, whereas HR really, you see them more often in the beginning and the end of your, your employee journey at the company. Yeah, that's a, I like that description. Mm -hmm. But what, what are some of the some of the um, OD 
things that are kind of on your plate these days or what what are some of your um, fun projects? I'm going to nerd out a little bit. I get so excited talking about uh, my role and what I do. I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones that get to wake up and say, I really do enjoy and love what I do every day. And um, with the opportunity, I have a unique opportunity at the company that I'm in to touch all aspects of OD. When I was brought into the company, we didn't have formal people programs or processes or systems in place in a really structured or streamlined way. So think about performance management. Um, that process wasn't really there. It was practically non-existent. And we were a smaller firm at the time when I first joined. So it wasn't as necessary. And then they saw the growth and the need for it. Um, engagement, employee engagement, measuring that and um, creating some action plans around how to improve employee engagement. That didn't exist either. So these are some of the things that I, uh, I'm involved in and the opportunity that I get to build these from the ground up is the coolest part of my job. It's so dynamic. Um, performance management, employee engagement, change management, learning and development, um, leadership development are some of the bigger core pieces that I'm working on right now. Yeah, that's really, I mean, I, that speaks well of the of the leadership of, of your company, that they had the foresight to think, let's get this person and their skill set on board mm -hmm. early in the early life of the organization, and particularly at that size, because it seems like a lot of organizations don't move in that direction of of OD and some of the things you talked about until they're much larger. And then it's, you're really kind of going against the current at that point. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, I really applaud them for having that foresight to, um, to allow you to, to come in early on. And so. I agree. And our company is currently in like a very high growth stage in terms of maturity of the organization. And so it, the timing couldn't have been better. And right now we're implementing a new leadership development program, starting it as a beta phase for a small cohort of employees. That's never existed before in the company. And those are the cool things that we get to do based off of employee feedback, based off of the input of stakeholders of the organization, to be able to design these from the ground up. And we don't have to go back and redo or go against the current because we are starting from ground zero from a blank slate. Yeah, you're able to, to create the desired culture without trying to have to spend a lot of time getting unstuck from the, the old culture. Mm -hmm. Talk what what's that leadership program kind of look like? What 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 shape has it taken or how is it kind of evolving? Yeah, so we it, we just kicked it off last um, month, and the way that it's structured is that it incorporates. Uh, we have actually a performance soft skills framework at our company, so we have identified five, five soft skills at each job level, starting from individual contributor to manager, director, and executive. And we've identified what those most critical soft skills are, are at each level. And when it comes to the leadership development program, we're beta testing with a small group of new managers or managers that are new to the role. And we are aligning this, the soft skills workshop that our 
in the leadership development program around those that soft skills framework. So we have five soft skills workshops that'll happen throughout the entire year. The leadership development program is a whole year long because I don't believe in a weekend course and then you're you're good to go on leadership. Um, we kick it off with actually a leadership style tool and we introduce the ALP, the Actualized Leader Profile with this cohort at the beginning. We also, I have combined uh, mentorship coaching calls. So the individuals who are participating in this program meet once every month for about eight months with a mentor within the company. And also there's a capstone project at the end so that they can share what they've learned. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So the whole program from kind of start to graduation that you said is about a year or eight months? Yeah, it's a full year. Wow. So um, are they meeting then periodically to kind of um, talk about what what's going well, what's not going well, you know, what what adjustments to make or kind of how they're applying what they're learning in the yeah. Yeah, that was the that's the hope with the mentorship calls that they have the ability to reflect on that. But also part of the program, there's a component called the individual development plan, and they make updates throughout. And there's areas or spaces in that template that allow them to reflect after each soft skill workshop that allow them to give and request feedback uh, from their mentors that allow them to take. We actually do deploy a pre and post soft skills assessment in itself assess so they can look at their progress from beginning to end. And also they get to create some goals as well for the program itself and for their mentorship and relationships so that they can look at the end of the year and say, did I accomplish those goals? How did I, you know, embark on those in the progress of those goals? How, how are the people selected for the program? Yeah, so our selection criteria this year in our beta version was that we wanted to focus on those who are brand new to being a manager. They'd never been a manager before, and we had a limit of 10 participants based off of the structure that we were building out. So were they, they were kind of selected or did they like put their name in the, in, you know, kind of in the running or? Yeah, they were selected based off of being new and they had the option to decline if they didn't want to. And we haven't had, any, we had one person decline, one person decline because their capacity was too full, but everyone else accepted. Wow, that's awesome. Anybody come forward that wanted to be in that wasn't kind of in the initial group or? So that's interesting that you bring that up because we didn't communicate the program company wide that, oh, hey, guys, we're, we didn't announce it. Like we're doing this big leadership development program because we were really trying to beta test and see if we can assess what doesn't work and then make it better so we can scale it in kind the like future. Your own action learning project. Absolutely. OD, right? And, um, and so we didn't announce it, but word of mouth happens and, you know, the word gets out and we brought in some new managers after we kicked off this program and we've had directors and other executives say, Hey, do you have room in that program? This would be perfect for this person, for this individual. And like, Oh, I love the enthusiasm, but we're capped at 10 come back next year. We can, we'll keep you in mind. I love that kind of stuff. They're coming for that. That's almost, yeah, that's a sales tactic of, 
you know, it's like people want what they think they're, you know, they're not going to be able to get or it's limited supply. Yeah. Unintended, right. Totally unintended, but it happens. And I, I love the enthusiasm. What, what, um, the, what, what are the five competency or the, the soft skills that you had identified? I think you said there were five. Yeah. At a manager level, it is uh, giving quality feedback, coaching, delegation, planning an organization, and then being a change agent. Those are our five. Oh, cool. So um, do you, do you teach each of those five sections then, or are you, do you have outside people that you have or how, how is that man or how, how is that kind of staffed? Yeah. So we actually partnered with a company called Life Labs Learning and they're going to be facilitating four workshops four out of five will align with those soft skills. And the fifth workshop is a combination of all of them put together. The only soft skill that's not addressed in a workshop is the change agent one, but it, it is touched upon in some aspects of each workshop. Now, what I really love about these workshops is that they are very science-based and I'm a big proponent of, you know, trainings and, and learning that has, brain brain-based hacks and productivity tips and things like that. And Life Labs really does a great job at putting together workshops that align with with science-backed information and data. And they also have many missions or nudges after each workshop that the participants get and receive to their inbox so they can go and actually practice what they learned, which is the coolest part the application of it. So I'm not just sitting in a two hour workshop once every other month and then forget it, you know, set it and forget it. I'm actually going to get two to three nudges throughout the, the time between each workshop. And then if they're very short, mini missions, they take five to 10 minutes and they practice what they've learned. I think that is so key because I, I think a lot of leadership development consists of discrete workshops on specific topics but there's no follow-up, there's no um, intentional um, integration to, to their role. It's kind of like, well, we hope that in this listening workshop that they learn something and they put it to work back on the job, mm-hmm. but there's really not. That's huge. Yeah, and so uh, you've done a really great job in terms of how you've structured that around. Thank you. Yeah, the, the application piece and the and, and the mentoring and just the, 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 the feedback part. When I was designing this program, the whole time I had, you're probably familiar with the 70-20-10 model of L&D. 70% of learning should come from, you know, experience on the job where you can actually apply it. And 20% is coming from feedback and social networking and from your peers. And that 10% is the formal classroom. And typically organizations get it reversed where they spend 70% in the classroom or in, you know, online courses and the on the job application side gets lost. And so when I was designing this program, I was really thinking, how can I make 70% of this look and feel like they would do this on their everyday job or in their everyday job? And what components can I bring in to build a need for that 20% peer and feedback? And then the 10% would be the, the skill workshops where they are sitting in there, but they're, that's the smallest part of it. Yeah, and I think one of the side benefits of that is that the participants aren't feeling like I should be doing my job instead of sitting mm-hmm. here in this training. The way you've structured it, 
that small 10% of the training, they're thinking, this is great because I'm going to be using this in that 70%. Mm-hmm. And so flipping that around, I think that you, you really structured it well. Yeah. And these are not soft skills are the hard skills, right? That's the hard stuff. These are not skills that you can just memorize, retain the knowledge, memorize, and then be great at it without a trying, trying it and iterating what you've learned into the next time you do apply it. You have to practice coaching. You can't sit in a one-on-one with an employer direct report for the first time after watching a training video or workshop and automatically be a great coach. It takes practice. I, I you're almost trying to think if, if there's some other terms that we could use um, of hard skills versus soft skills. Um, because it really does the soft skills thing really is a misnomer um, because there's really nothing soft or easy about it Um, absolutely and I I get kind of where the roots of it came from and and I I guess I think of like um, the McKenzie 7s framework for strategy and they've got the soft s's and they're not you know it's soft because they're they're hard to see and it's more nebulous and so I don't know maybe maybe talk about um, interpersonal skills versus technical skills. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. the soft skills term is here to stay, but, um, but I think that there, it, it, it really does kind of put it in a, in, in a, it's mis misunderstood, I think. Yeah. And I, I think it, it, it might be here to stay unless we push push at it hard enough, right? I agree. I think that definitely needs to change people capabilities. I, when From my world, sitting in OD and just speaking with my colleague in HR, the biggest problems and challenges that arise to the surface are not, did you know how to do this technical aspect of your job? They're people problems. They're challenges with how to give feedback how to have a difficult conversation, how to de-escalate a a conflict, right? Those are the types of things that our employee, our managers struggle with and and our employees. Those are the most prominent areas that I think need to be focused on in an organization. And when leadership can recognize that and they put that at the forefront of their leadership programs and their development programs overall, those are the organizations that will win and have the competitive advantage in my mind. Yeah, I think that's, very well said. You know, I think one one thing that just kind of popped into my head is, you know, in the my background is in org development and change management, um, but the program I teach in at the at the University of Arkansas is in human resource development, training and development, and and in the literature, like in the like on our foundations textbook, or or when you just look at HRD or like the Association for Talent Development. They talk about within that field, there's three pillars. There's career development, there's training and development, and then there's org development. Mm. And I just find that interesting because I I think how your org development is the big umbrella that training and development is one piece of. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that to me, that that is more what I've seen in practice. And I think that that's... Um, I think to me, it, it really sells OD short if it's seen as one piece underneath training and development. Um, absolutely. Because the skill set of an OD practitioner is absolutely applicable in those areas. And 
I think you make a really great point. There's a huge distinction between theory and practice. And what I also see in the practice is, especially in my role, is that career pathing and training and development, L&D, learning and development strategy, all of that falls under my role. Succession planning falls under my role. Change management falls under my role. So OD is that bigger umbrella in, in my world, right? So it depends on where you're sitting, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think that um, the, the, your structure intuitively makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's certainly been, you know, my experience. Um, so it just, I think I'm going to have this conversation maybe at our next um, HRD um, conference and just raise that question and say, how does this kind of, how does this kind of fit? I, I would love to hear a follow-up from you on that, because I think that we can change the conversation around how OD is viewed in organizations. When I first came, when I first went into the OD program for my master's, I wasn't seeing a lot of growth or opportunities with businesses or organizations. And then when I came out of my master's about two and a half years later, I noticed there were more opportunities being recognized by leaders and organizations, but they required eight to 10 years of OD experience. And that was the the double-edged sword is that you come out of your master's program trying to get into an OD role, but at the same time, they want you to have that practical experience. And that, that was difficult for me. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges too, is oftentimes in terms of, you know, what's that saying that, you know, Form should follow function, but oftentimes function follows form, mm-hmm. which is kind of backwards. But oftentimes OD gets housed and training and development get housed under HR. And so it, to me, that really caps the potential of what OD can be when mm-hmm. it's put inside the, the HR structure and, and the same with the training and development piece. And so I, at least for me, it really resonates how how you've made the distinction between the HR function over here, OD over here, and then learning and development underneath the OD piece. And for my audience, it's not going to be able to see this. I'm talking with my hands here. It's a really good, it's a really good description. The diagram with your hands looks real great. Yeah. (laughs) You have to draw it out on the board when you get into class. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like for more information about what this diagram means, please listen to this podcast episode. (laughs) Yeah. Close your eyes and imagine. Yeah. Well, Keisha, I know I'm just looking at the time here and the time has gotten away from us. And I know you have another um, meeting coming up. And so let's, let's do a part two of this. Love it. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to have some conversations and then um, we'll, we'll have a part two of this. And so, um, and, and if you see, Will, tell him I said, hi. Absolutely. I will. Um, I will share that with, with him and I would love to come back for a part two. I think there's so much more to talk about. Yeah, this has been great. And I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank and, you. And I'll also let you know when this posts. Okay, great. I'll share it on my network. So I'm excited. All right. Take care. Thanks so much, Jim. Bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. If you want to connect more, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and at my website, drjimmaddox.com. Thanks for listening.